Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. This is Al the Brewer. How are you doing? So if this sounds a little weird, it's because I am recording this at work and I don't have a beer in my hand. I am recording straight on to Audacity and uh, <laughs> my laptop in our little gym, which is nice and empty right now. Anyways, um, so this is an episode that is out on YouTube. Um, so if you want to see the video of it as well, um, I'll try to include a link down there, but I needed to get this uh, intro done. Um, well, I had a chance, and at work right now is where I have the most chance to do stuff. Anyways, um, so this is a very fun, a uh, little bit of a long conversation with Victor from Dallas Beer Talk, and he is all over the place in the DFW area talking to anybody and everybody about, um, I mean, beer, yes, but uh, about the scene, and really, uh, he loves the community around beer and wants to give back to that community by doing his own podcast slash vlog slash whatever else he does. So, um, hope you enjoy it. Uh, please rate and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Um, I know nothing about beer.com or you can find me on all the social medias at Al the Brewer. Hey, thank you so very much for listening. I so appreciate each and every one of you. Have yourself an amazing rest of the day, uh, afternoon, morning, night, whenever you're catching this. So, thank you very much. Cheers. Senor. Yeah. So, we're here. We're here. Here. Drunken Public, Emmanuel Dude. Allen. Salud. Thanks Salud. for coming. Salud, senor. Cheers. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, well, side note. That's a side note. I, have a, I want to ask you about that. Please. But, uh, so, guys, this is Alan. Uh, Senor. The, the, the owner of I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. <laughs> but this man's a liar. But it's a cover to play on words. Because it's not that you don't know anything about beer. It's about people who don't know anything about beer. So, I'll preface this by saying this. Um... I, I love beer and I have a passion for it and I, I think one of the things that defines a passion is that the more you find out about it, the less you know about it. Exactly. And um, in, in a previous... wisdom. I, it's, it's one of those things where I... The more I... As I started to learn how to play guitar and that's a whole other life, you know, other life of mine. But the more that I learned about the guitar, the more I learned and I read, the more I learned there was so much more to explore about it. Yeah, as I got into beer and got into beer, less of I enjoy drinking it. Not that I still don't enjoy drinking it, but the more that I found out how it's made, the history, um, everything that surrounds beer culture, the more I found out I had more questions about it and wanted to dig deeper. So yes, my podcast is I know nothing about beer, and I constantly feel like I know less about beer the more I know about beer, and it's meant to be. For anyone that has no idea about beer, yeah, um, that wants to get that introduction that they're that they're either too scared to ask about mm -hmm. or don't have someone to already kind of mentor them into it. Yes, 
And so that's what my podcast is really for. Now, if you are a veteran of the craft beer scene, I think there's still things to talk about and that you can take away from it. Um, because while my podcast does have surface level stuff, um, I do try to get a little deeper into the weeds with whomever I'm talking with. I want to make a correction on that. My podcast is surface level about beer because same with you. Uh, I'm a more of a drinker prior to doing mm -hmm. the podcast. I was never into beer. What I fell in love with was the beer culture, culture. especially what I found, what I always say, the Dallas is the best beer community. Mm -hmm. and that's what I fell in love with. The beer is just a, a, a plus, a beautiful positive <laughs> that I am also enjoying. I get and that. And the passion people have. I get that. So even though we are called Dallas Beer Talk, we're very surface level because I enjoy the people behind it and and i definitely I, I get that from your podcast and the people that you talk to because yes you guys you talk about beer but it's also the everything about dallas beer and yeah. i say dallas being dfw because you talk here. to everybody all around exactly yeah. i do the same thing but yours even though you uh you say it's surface level you do put some things like bottle share the difference between california yep. and uh texas yeah talked beer. about that a little bit uh what i do enjoy is that you also interview people which delves deep into people's passion about beer yeah. so it's not 100 percent uh what i call surface level but it definitely delves deeper but it also educates along the way because the bottle share one was for people who don't know what a bottle share is yeah because when you people when i got thrown into beer maybe the same with you and you got thrown into it mm -hmm. you're like well, let's go to a bottle share like what is that yeah. like well we just trade beers or drink beers there like what do i bring no one ever tells you what to do you just gotta no. go show up and and the first time that i i literally think is the first time you go to a bottle share you'll never think whatever you bring is good enough same here. And you're just you're just freaked out about it. You're like, I just hope I don't get made fun of. Yeah. And I think that that's totally normal. Uh, I think that's also normal when anybody starts to get introduced to a new subculture. That oh, uh, that is really true. That's a really weird poetic way. Subculture. Is this this is definitely a subculture. I would of call this Dallas. kind of a subculture. And the way that punk is a subculture. Yeah. Uh, craft beer has a subculture around it. It has rules. It has either unspoken or spoken. Um, there's something about craft beer. And what I'll say, there's a level of craft beer that is just getting to know what it is. Yeah. And then there's a level of getting into the community and what it means to be part of the community and how much you want to give to or take away from. Because you can take away from the community all you want. Yeah, I mean, coming to, a, coming to the breweries like this here at Turning Point, like you can get in here, talk to people and enjoy the beer, take that home, tell everybody you want about it. That's great. But then giving back into the community, doing bottle shares. Um, getting people in more into beer. Exactly. Um, you know, and uh, just learning, I even feel like learning about beer is giving back to the community because then you have something more to share with people. Yeah. No, 100%. Listen, uh, I never talked to me two and a half years ago prior to me and my co host starting this yeah, drink yeah. show because it was just a drinking show in the beginning. Yeah. The name Dallas Beer Talk was just a play on words because the guy, my co host, was the beer guy. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, I don't know what to name it. Because before him, and when I invited him and my other co-host on, when I invited them on, it was uh, it's the hater hour. Me and my friends used to hate on everything. It was a dumb drunk show, too. I, I think I may remember a few of those episodes. Yeah. I, I've, I've gone back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was just like a hate show. A hateful, not a hateful show, but a playful jab at France, a playful jab at subculture. You couldn't tell at all that you were from New York. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> but then when I fell in love with the guys from Petty Colas and then uh -huh. meeting the brewers and people's yeah, passion, yeah, yeah. it really changes it. Yeah. So no. you get, I want to give back at showing it. Mm -hmm. uh, why I love it. Yeah. Same thing with Turning Point. These guys here are fucking phenomenal. They are. 
I, I love the crew here. They're so good to the craft beer community. They know how to give back. Is, and they not see the thing about it. They, they have play on words too. The lightest beer. They had that for lightest a while. beer that you know. Yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah. And it's a it's a platform because they, a lot of people come. They don't know about craft beer, even though it's it's booming. Mm-hmm. United States wide. The no, craft beer it is has booming. a long way to go, has, especially in Texas. No, it does definitely. Even though people say it's booming, it still hasn't made its transition to main culture. It's yeah. still a subculture of people drinking. Yeah. Uh, so when people come in here in the neighborhood, because this is in a neighborhood area, mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, what's the lightest beer you have?" Instead of them scoffing at the community, yeah. they're like, "Okay, this is the lightest beer we make." Not the jab at people. It's per, it's a playful it, for people like me and you come in and like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. And it's also right here. This is literally the lightest beer. No, right no. Now. If you have no idea what this place is, you just know they have beer. Yeah. And you have not had a like a coconut, whatever this is, German co- chocolate cake stout. Uh, if you look Phenomenal. at that and go, what in the world? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at that and, and your eyes glaze over and you see the lightest beer we have, you're like, yes, that one. I will start with that one. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and this is why I think they're the best. Because they also, if you have questions, and a lot of, not just Turning Point, but a lot of brewers, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. bartenders at breweries, well, willing to answer your questions. Yeah. Because they have a passion to give back to the community. Yeah. As well, you have a, a want to consume. Yeah. And that's the beauty of uh, the transition that we have here. I, I, I really think that, because uh, I was thinking about this the last couple of days in the craft beer scene here in, in, in DFW specifically, you know, as, as where I live and have lived for the last, I think it's 40 years now, almost oh, wow. five. Um, I think that if you are getting into craft beer, this is an amazing time yeah. because you can literally get to know most of the people in the scene in about a year. Yeah. You most know, of the main people, mo- main players. I mean, not main players, but even like you can still get to know Petico- Michael Petacolis. You yeah. can meet him. You know? He's always at the brewery. <laughs> yeah, he's always at the brewery. Um, I mean, you can come to Turning Point here, talk to the brewers, talk to the guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're going to be able to have a two-hour conversation, but yeah, but you, you can, can introduce yourself. You can introduce yourself. You can get to know a lot of the people in the scene now, thousand percent, um, because it's only going to grow. Thousand percent. Um, I think that because I hear people talk about the bubble a lot. We're talking about so what is your take on the craft beer bubble? Because I have my opinion on it and I want to hear yours first before I jump okay, in. Okay, so here's my thought. I don't think that we're I don't think that we're fully saturated. Okay? Not yet. Nope. I think that what it really is gonna take is people finding their niche. Mm-hmm. I think that as long as people are making good beer in their niche, that that a brewery will be able to survive. Turning point? They just make good, I mean, they make really good beer, and I'm glad they do that, and they've got a, they're set, and they've got stuff that they're experimenting with, but they're also the first brewery, really, in my opinion, to start really hitting the New England craft beer, the, you know, the the hazy bro IPAs, whatever you want to call them, but they have a niche in our community of those. They're the first, they've done it very well. And I think that by establishing that, they've got a place set for them. Exactly. As long as they keep making good beer and keep interacting and giving back to the craft beer communities the way they are. Now, if you have a brewery that just does a core four and doesn't expand and doesn't try to push their quality, their experimenting and giving back to the community, um, I think it'll be harder for them to survive if they're just doing an IPA blonde stout and the one beer that the brewery actually wants to make. I think you can. What I agree with everything, but I think for me, my only difference between it uh-huh. 
have you had a chance to go to Europe yet? Mm. Yeah. So you know, especially in like Reykjavik or in like uh, England itself, which I haven't been to England yet. The norm is that every neighborhood has its own pub. Yes. That make beer there yes. in their own pub. Yeah. That saturation. That that is also a culture that has grown up in knowing beer is. That's also a culture of growing up knowing that a pub is a place for the family. It's a place for everyone. We it's don't have that place. yet. Yeah. yeah. We don't have that yet in Texas. And it won't be that for a very long time because how spread out Texas is. Yeah. But what I mean by that saturation, because that's not a bad thing. When you open a pub and when you grow up in England and you want to open a pub, yep. your expectation is I'm going to open a pub. It may it may not do anything significant ever in life, but it's my pub yep. and I want to run that pub. Yep. The problem with craft beer culture now is the people coming in just for money. And you can hear it with the way they talk and the way they produce themselves. I get they you. coming in to make money. Now... In the long term, we'll see if they'll survive. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have great marketing and survive. Maybe they have a really hard uh, advertising team pushing for them to be in bigger markets. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe football stadiums. That's okay. Yeah. But what I think is the, the, the people who will survive in the long term is people who have passion to make beer because they want to make the beer. Not for financial gain. And I, I would not disagree with that at all. I think that when you start talking about England, the... Or Germany, you could or go Germany. Or Australia. So, so I, I don't know if you know this. I lived in Germany. Um, oh, so perfect. We can start at yeah, Germany. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I lived in Germany as a student in uh, when I was in college. Didn't really drink a lot because there were okay. two types of people that were in my program: people that did not drink or people that got totally wasted. And I didn't care to get totally wasted. Totally wasted is hard. It's hard to I just, from. I just don't, I don't do it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually, and I went to a very. Um, some people at the time it was much more conservative. Now it's not as conservative. Christian college, um, Pepperdine. I'll say go waves. I, hey, I, go I, I love my my school, but um, there were people that either got wasted or that like thought alcohol was a sin, and I was in the middle. I didn't have anybody to like go hang out with, and not that I didn't like. I, I didn't have a, a taste for beer yet, so I didn't explore much in that realm. Now, I did find out I liked wine in Italy, and that was, oh, that's... That it's could, that hard not to drink wine in Italy. That's all, no. they, that's all they drink. No, and, and I remember I was like, I could spend three euros on a glass of water or five euros on a half liter of wine. I was like, done. Wine yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that that culture has grown up knowing that alcohol is not something separate from a meal as yeah. well. It goes, it, it's natural to go, well, what do you have? Uh, a, a meal and a beer, a meal and a wine. I think once uh, America slash, and Texas will be a little far behind on this. Well, the Bible Belt will be harder. Yeah, hard. Bible Belt's a little harder all, all around. Yeah. But um, it, it takes a cultural shift to go from alcohol is something that we have mm -hmm. to alcohol is something that is what we do. In. But I think it's for us. That's always going to be separate because that's American culture. Because mm -hmm. drinking is, is is perfectly fine in American culture, mm -hmm. but it's always been considered separate. Yeah. I, you hear parents all the time. I don't drink in front of my kids. Yeah. Or I don't, oh I have the kids at the house or so no liquor at the house. And when, I, I I I there's no disrespect to that, but no, it's no. perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. But I I think that until it changes, it's going to be hard to have a culture where. It's like England, where yeah. there's a brewery and there's a brewery on so many different corners because people go, well, that's my pub. That's where I not only go after work to have a pint, but I can go there for dinner with my family, no problem. 
See, I think it's going to be different for us. I don't think... I never pointed out England to think, like, that's going to happen here. Because mm-hmm. I think our culture about drinking is... It's, drink has always been such a subculture. It's always been in such a... Mm-hmm. Like, you mentioned earlier, like, I'm going to go all the way in hard drinking mm-hmm. culture or separate from my family thing. Like, yeah. I call my wife, hey, hey, I'm going to swing by the bar. Not the pub. I'm going to swing by the bar, bar. that only serves liquor and beer. Which, no food. Which, which is horrible. Which is... I, and I get why bars opened up. Like we had a whole prohibition thing. Yeah. Like we didn't. We didn't have. Uh, have you watched the documentary on prohibition, the Ken Burns one? No, I have not. I okay. have not. I get it. It can be super boring. But I know a lot about prohibition. Yeah. And but it's it's it can be super boring, but it's it fills in so many gaps, because um, it starts so far before prohibition and then goes after prohibition. Well, but the raging so 20s much, and the, before that have filled into why people wanted a prohibition to happen. Yeah, well, you had the teetotalers, and then you had even the... Even goes into the idea of what the saloon was and the culture well, around the women. Yeah. Um, and the violence against women that happened. Yeah, that was a big problem. It's still a big problem for a long time in the United States afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, but there, it goes into so much of the details behind it. After prohibition, we have this whole idea that alcohol is still not good, and that we have to regulate it into these little tiny dark corners called a bar. And instead of going from a place where you could drink with your family and enjoy a meal with your family, and alcohol is really not even a second thought, to now, if you're going to drink, do it in this nice little separate pub that's dark and far away from people that don't. You, yeah. Yeah. And I I think that has done more has done not more damage but has has not helped the reputation of places like this that I take my daughter to yeah. because I feel like I could have my daughter here order some food well, in the, and the enjoy. Beauty about, the beauty about craft beer right now, you got places like Turning Point, mm-hmm. Old Collins Brewery, yeah. Martin House, uh, even Legal Draft, yeah. that it's a family-friendly uh, yeah. place. Yeah. You know, where it's still a, a beer place, mm-hmm. but it's a family-friendly place. I, I will say this about Martin House. I never feel more old than when I walk into Martin House. Well, it's such a frat party now. It's such a frat party no, now. No, 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 man. I, I won third place at a talent contest there like a year and a half ago, and I lost to a belly dancer. And I was like, this is a cool place. And I realized, like, I am not cool enough for this place. I would love to go back. <laughs> just not with not my, my wife has told me like look I just I love Martin House I love their beers you can bring them home anytime you want but it's just not gonna be the place I'm gonna go to on a Sunday afternoon I'm like, yeah, I get that it's tough it's such a party because Martin House is so popular and that's one of the, the mm-hmm. most beautiful gems in Fort Worth oh you get that view out from uh, Fort Worth from the river oh yeah. that's great it's yeah. the thing, it's the thing about, that's the problem why I have why Martin not that the Martin House is the problem it's just the culture in Fort Worth is the problem because you have mm. these old-timey breweries over there, or the small bars that separate, and it's very boring, very boring beers. Then you have Martin House, the young hip place where all the young college from T- uh, TCU go. Okay, have you been to RAR recently? Yeah. Recently? Okay. I went there with my dad on a, on a release day, and it was like 45 people deep. It's always deep. Always deep. I found out that they were doing a, um, a cask. And I was like, where's the cask at? No one in line for the cask. I don't think anybody knew what the cask was. Well, no one knows what cask beer is. That's right. Which is delicious, by oh, the way. I, no, and I love it. And I was like, Dad, come with me. And we found this I don't know how old he was, but he was man in the cask. No line at all. It was a vanilla, bourbon, Bach or something like that that they had. Amazing. Loved it. And I was like, Dad, try it. You know, he loved it. 
and we're like, well, I think anything in a cask is delicious. It, yes, yeah. I think it, I think cask is underserved, but there's a reason for that because it's so difficult to serve. Yeah, and so difficult. you got to take your time to serve it because you have that whole little crank. The, the, the whole crank, but also like, you know, you got to tap it. That it's not popping on a thing like, like this. The, like the main system there is now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you get the guys that are like, no, I'm gonna tap the cask. That oh, there's plenty of videos of that from Cascade as well. And people messing up. Oh, dude, it's, you you want to go down a rabbit hole? <laughs> Just do cask fail on YouTube. You'll have such a good time. <laughs> I'm gonna check that out. Link right there. Uh, <laughs> check that out. No, what I would say about like my favorite cask beer of all time, you would never guess where I got it. I was in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. In the, uh, Earl Grey Ale. Ooh, okay. Earl Grey Tea Ale, ale okay. in a cast. That was by far uh, Jacob uh, from Strange yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh that, yeah. that me and him, that's our favorite beer while we were in New Mexico. Ooh. One of our favorite beers. That gotcha. was delicious. Super smooth. 5% beer. Now, was the ca- how was the carbonation on it? Was it like super low? It was it was right where it needed to be because it was an ale. It was, so it wasn't too hoppy. It, was, it looked like it was like... Uh, <laughs> It was really uniformed, uh, light bubbles, and it was okay. perfect. It wasn't too light. It wasn't okay. too light. I felt like it was right on the money for okay. an ale. Gotcha. Because most cast, most casts normally come out at very low carbonation levels. Yeah, but I think it's natural. But also the beer, I think, was naturally carbonated too, which would help with it. Because that's what you're supposed to do, it, right? Naturally have a natural carbonation reaction. So with with cask, it it, it can be recarbonated in the in the cask itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, it's a I mean, it is recarbonated in the cast, but general, it's a very low carbonation. Yeah. That's why you'll see that little spout. It like uh, it has like a little cross on it, mm-hmm. and it spurts it out in four different ways. And that's to actually get some bubbles out of it and give it that smoother mouthfeel. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like I thought. Well, now we're going to where where my lack of knowledge comes from in okay. beer, because I always felt like when you have to do a when you want to do a cast beer, you also have to go around the natural carbonation route. Where you naturally, while you're making the beer, should naturally be carbonated so, along the way. L- let me ask you this: Do you what does naturally carbonated mean to you? No, honestly, I just read it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly, I never brewed before, but that's what I read. Okay. And, so naturally carbonated. So um, you have you have carbonation. There's there's forced. Okay. And with the then C- well, I, with the CO2, like the you CO2. have here, the yeah, yeah. Up so, here. so here at Turning Point, they'll have a giant CO2 canister. I mean, giant. It'll be taller than, than one of us. Yeah. And it is pushing carbonation, CO2, into the cake. And then you regulate that through a little regulator, and they've probably got a bunch of them behind the wall up over there. Yeah. And then you can turn it up or down depending on the beer. So there are very fancy schmancy beer places like McKellar Bar. I don't know if you've ever been to one of the McKellar Bars. If you get a chance, go to McKellar Bar. Okay. Uh, they've got one in L.A., San Francisco. I think they have one in Austin now where each tap has its own little regulator um, that they dial in for each style of beer. Okay. And so for a something very, so like a Saison, something very effervescent, they'll turn it up so that they have a very finer, smaller bubble. Whereas okay. something like an IPA, they'll do a, a little, they'll turn it so that it has a, a little lower carbonation, but it has a larger bubble. Okay. And that gives that scrubbing feel. Um, cask, if it's a natural carbonation, that means they put the beer in, they've added a little bit of sugar into it, the yeast that's left over re-ferment that. Now, it's not a lot. It doesn't even add to the ABV. It just adds a little bit of bubbles. 
Now, a little bit of bubbles in the glass equals a lot of pressure on the keg itself. Yeah. So unless you have a <laughs> some type of mechanical switch to get into that cask, you're doing the tap. And that's why when you see those tap fails, <coughs> you see the giant spray of beer coming out. So that's yeah, so if it's a horse card, which most which most casks are most uh, small cask aren't, then it's a um, it's an it's a it's the natural version, the the uh, re uh, fermentation or re carb beer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes it a lot easier than what I read. Because I, I I knew it was something to do with the yeast, but I didn't know how they reactivated it. Gotcha. The, do a, what they call natural carbonation. So, uh, uh, yeast takes sugar and make alcohol and carbon dioxide. That's really, that's all it is. So, beer is like a really happy home for yeast. And what do they do? They make carbon dioxide and, and alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. Now, the yeast also do a lot of fun things with the malts, the malt sugars that you give it. And so, that's what gives us a lot of our flavors uh, if you're not adding extra stuff. So, like the peach stone uses peach puree and all these other fun things that give it that extra flavor. Yeah. Whereas this, a lager, all the flavors coming from the grains used, the hops, and then how the yeast eat mm. all that stuff up. Yeah. Okay. And then piss it all out. <laughs> That's what we drink. That's what we drink. I know. So just, it, Essentially. Just, yeah, pretty much. And this is the guy who runs the pocket and says, I don't know nothing about beer. <laughs> I may have read a book here or there. You know, I have a few beer books at the house that I'm like, I've read through. What are you? What do you? What have you read? This is the one main book you see everywhere, the one about um, uh, judging beer and things like that, that has. It's a hard. I can't remember the name for the life of me, but I have it on my Amazon order that what I ordered. Okay. Uh, but it's the main one I see everybody else talk about before. It's about a book about this thick, and it has all different styles. Uh, are you talking about the BJCP, sir? Yeah. Okay. So that is a really cool reference. So Randy Mosier has this book called Tasting Beer. And it is my favorite reference when it comes to anything beer because he writes it in a way where it's, if you know nothing about beer, you start with the general history of what is beer and then go into ingredients and then go into styles. Okay. And so it really breaks it down to these nice little chunks that give you an idea, a better idea of what beer is and what beer can be. Um, A lot of pictures which I really need um, because I learn better by seeing and hearing than by reading a book. I, same page. I I, I learn better by doing. Mm -hmm. I can do the job or I can learn something by doing it. Then if it has uh, like visual aid, yep. that helps. Yep. Then the last is reading. Yeah. By far the last is just yeah. reading it. Which that's why I was with the other beer book. I'm like So if you want if you want like the best reference on beer, there is the Oxford Companion to Beer by Garrett Oliver. Okay? That why does that name sound familiar? Is that guy from uh, Brooklyn Logger? Brooklyn, yeah. He is amazing and he did a video that I that's why I learned about bubbles. It was like very uniform bubbles and things oh, like yeah. that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he is he is such a great teacher. But the Oxford Companion to Beer is 895 pages long. I thought, okay, let me try to read this. I got to Beta Emily's and stopped. <laughs> and and I get that Beta Emily's is a really important thing. I'm sure I'm not saying part of that right uh, in hop oils, but 
it was such a dense... I didn't get to beer, okay, in the beer encyclopedia. Now, it is a great reference, and I'll go back to it if I don't understand something and go, oh, what does that mean? Oh, okay, and then I'll reference that. Um, but Tasting Beer by Mosier, Randy Mosier, is the best overall beer book that I've got. Found. I'm going to get that. Because I saw that when I bought the book. And I bought that, and I was like, okay. I bought, I bought the, the the reference and uh-huh. grading beer yep. book first. And I forget the, what's the, what's the actual name? I forget. BJCB? BJCB. Yeah. And I bought a beer map at the same time on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So I bought those two things, and then you sold that. Where you see, like, you see, his it has a picture of a glass on top of it, so like different colors of beer yeah, on top yeah. of his thing. And I sold that. I was like, I'll get that next. I never went back to it. I never went back to and, get it. And you know, I, I think that's the, the the best and worst thing about Amazon is that you could have that little cart going on and just keep bop 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 bop, and like, oh wait, I did want to buy that. Yeah, oh yeah. I forgot all about. I that. forgot about that book. Yeah. What was I drinking when I was making this list? I think so. <laughs> I don't. I don't need that. No. Well, when I bought the book, what I, what I was trying to figure out is what I, what I needed to figure out is mm-hmm. I know I know nothing about beer, and I'm not really into beer itself. And now people get surprised when I say this. Beer is great, and I really love the craft beer mm-hmm. scene, and I really love the beer people make. Because yep. you can taste the passion. Yep. Now, sometimes certain styles are not for me. But if it's well-made and well-balanced, I always reference that it's great for the style, but it's not for me. What is a style that's not for you? Sours. Okay. Like Martin House Sour Fest is coming out tomorrow. That's not for me. <laughs> not at all. Not Man, at all. I wish I could go to that. Let me tell you. I do I would not. be all <laughs> over that. But... But you know, I would if I could if I had the opportunity and I had the time because I'm going to Craft and Growlers anniversary mm. tomorrow. Gotcha. So if I had the time to actually do both, I would. But yeah. it's hard to do both, and I I don't want to drink and drive across town. No, that's so, no good. So no. I'm gonna stay in Dallas. I'm gonna support Craft and Growlers, and yeah. I'm gonna make some videos there, and good. then I'll just miss the sour yeah. fest. But my thing is, even though I don't like sours, one thing I learned from my co-host and learned from everybody else, like you, just try it. Just yeah. try it. You don't. There, there's a, a style that I can't stand, but I always Surprising. order it anytime I see it. It's called Rauschbier. Have Rausch. you ever seen a Rauschbier? No. So it's a smoked beer. So what they do... Uh, yeah, I've heard of smoked beers. I don't like smoked beers. Oh, man. I, I, I have... There's several smoked beer... There's several breweries that have been making smoked beers for like 300 plus years. Okay. Um, I can't think of the name right now. I can see the label in my head, and it looks like someone took like an old German scroll and like wrote, wrote like witchcraft on it. Okay? <laughs> like they do in the movies? Yeah. It looks like that label looks like that. Um, and anytime I see someone having a smoked beer on a, on, a, on, a, on a list or, you know, bar list, whatever, I always order a taster because I always want to be able to go, I know what that is, and I want to be able to appreciate how they made it. Because they're really difficult to make. Like lagers are really hard to make. Yeah. Make well because they're so clean and so anything that's off about them shines. Yeah. That's why I always appreciate people who make a really good pilsner. Yeah. Like if you make a really good pilsner, it's not that it's the most difficult ingredient of all time. What makes it difficult is you got nowhere to go. No. If you fuck it up in the beginning or at the end, it's fucked up the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Like so, you have nowhere yeah. to go. So if you make it well, consistently well, that's a good beer. Yeah. It's a good yeah. brewer. Yeah. Have you had the Pivo Pills from uh, Firestone? Uh, yeah. Firestone? Oh. My favorite, my favorite, my two favorite Pilsners of all time. Mm-hmm. Number one is going to be Nestle Evil from uh, Manhattan Project. And I haven't had that, and I need to get some of that in my life. That is my I, you are favorite. the second person. Uh, Mick from Craft Beer Chats. Yeah. Loves that beer. That's a phenomenal Pilsner. Yeah. Pilsner. Now, my second favorite is only because it's from my country, Dominican Republic. 
is uh, Presidente. It's a Pilsner made out there. Gotcha. Now, it's not great by any standards. I dude, love it because it dude, has so many fond memories, but yeah, that's my second of all time. I get that. I totally get that. But it's nowhere to go. That's why I appreciate it. But when I uh, what I've learned from people who make beer, even though there's a lot of styles I'm not really fond of. I'm not a big fan of West Coast style IPAs, really hoppy oh, IPAs. That's what I like. Like my beer, yeah. I, I grew up on. But I mean, I'm from LA. From, yeah, from California. You know? So I get it. Yeah. I get it completely. But I, that's something that I even though I don't appreciate uh-huh. like the style for my palate, yeah. I can appreciate someone making it, especially yeah. when it's well made. So what I've done over the last few years is instead of just saying I don't like something, I drink it. Uh-huh. And that's from all of my friends and everybody saying I have to drink it, have to try it at least. Yeah. And and what I do is I appreciate people making good beer. Now yeah. certain beers I'm like, okay, I can see that uh, this is well made, like sours. Veritum makes really good, easy drinking sours. Mm-hmm. Not too super uh, tart, uh, acidic, punch, acidic yeah. punch in your face. Yeah. And I like Baritum and Sours, but that's not every style of sour maker. Yeah. You know, other sours are, are really harsh. Now, what I would always do is when I drink it, like you, go somewhere and see it, I'm going to order all the beers, especially beers I don't like, try it, yep. and if it's well-made, I will appreciate it being well-made. And then give it to your buddy that likes sours. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, it's great, but you can have that. Yeah. 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 No, I totally get that. Yeah. But, uh, that's one of my things that, uh, my number one advice I give for people trying to get into craft beer for me, it's just to try it. Whatever you don't yeah. like, just keep trying it. Just try it. If you go to a new brewery, what's my biggest pet peeves? Because I was that guy. When you go to a new place, I love stouts. That's all I really love. Stouts, mm-hmm. lagers. Clean yep. lagers are heavy stouts. That's all I like. Gotcha. So if I go to a bar like here, if I see a stout mm-hmm. on the menu, that's the first thing I'm ordering. And Do that's you... how I was for a long time. Let me ask you this. Do you like defined taste? It is a this. A yes. Okay. I, I really pinpoint to, like, it's hard for me to say, like, I used to say I hate the word velvety, but it really, No, that works, yeah. It does work, but I hate the word. I, wait, I hated it for a long time, and I still hate saying it. Like, it irks me. No, 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 why? Because it just sounds weird. It no. sounds weird and pretentious, but no. a velvety stout, a heavy no. mouthfeel that coats your tongue is what I appreciate about stouts. So, so let me separate velvety and heavy, okay? Because heavy is just how much stuff is in there that you're literally feeling on your tongue. Velvety is, I think it has more to do with the carbonation level and what uh, ingredients are on are in there that give you that mouthfeel. So velvety is more like viscosity. Gotcha. How slick something is. Okay. You know, you know cars, you know viscosity. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't like it being too syrupy. Like there's certain sweet stouts that come out now that's yeah. too syrupy. That's a not different viscosity. Me. Yeah, it's not for me. It's no. too heavy. Too, so so heavy is the mouthfeel. Viscosity is, is the much is, is the velvety to oily. Gotcha. You know? So I don't you like know? the oil style. Like you don't cool. you don't like crude. No, no, no. I don't. no you're like give me some of that five W. <laughs> no, no, I don't need that in my tongue. No, no, no. But that's but I, I went from just drinking always that. Yeah. To you know what I don't like IPAs. Finally being broken down because I've drank so many decent IPAs from bre- home brewers to going to different breweries and getting into the culture. Yep. You know, shout out to California. I've, a bunch of West Coast style IPAs I got from like with you or yep. at the bottle shows we've been to. There's so many West Coast style IPAs that were in the beginning, when I, like a year and a half ago, yeah. when we were going out, that I was like, you know what? Even though I don't like the little sample I got, it's a well-made 
and it tastes good, but it's not my style not I would style. ever yeah, buy. Yeah. No, I get that. I get that. But and that's what made me appreciate it. That, you know what? When you go to a new place, a new brewery, they have a bunch of variety of beers. There's some that you gravitate to, some you don't gravitate to. Order yep. both. Because yeah. you already know what you like about this style. Have, have you been to Russian River yet? No. Gidgers, I did a beer I did a beer pilgrimage with a buddy of mine to San Francisco and the Russian River area. Okay. And um, I love beer. Um, I'll say this. My wife's poisons of choice are probably wine, cocktails, and then beer. Gotcha. Mine are probably beer and then uh, whiskey, bourbon, and then cocktails and, and wine. Depends on the day. But so we did a, a, a trip to San Francisco and Russian River and we hit up Russian River Brewing Company and their flight is 18 beers. That's a flight. That's a flight. That's a flight right there. Man, let me tell you, I am so glad for Uber. Um, and me and my buddy split 18, the 18 pours and uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Man. What I, do you used to I, do before Uber? Um, Just drive? <laughs> rock, paper, scissors? <laughs> yeah. And hope, yeah. hope you win. I even well, I got my I got one DWI in my life, mm. and, and I, it's the most upsetting of it because my DWI I was asleep on the side of the, uh, the side uh, of the road. Yeah, because I'm like, you know what? I was drinking. Yes, I was drinking. I'm not gonna deny that, but I was more sleepy because I my friend got a promotion, went out, had a few drinks. Yeah, yeah. And I'm driving home like I'm too sleepy. I'm asleep an hour. Boom. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, I got the DWI for doing the right thing by not driving. I got it. Pissed off. But that was like six years ago. And I know Uber was around, but it wasn't as popular. And I didn't hear about it until yeah. I, I, years later. Yeah. Fucking. Uh, to me, it's a... I'm, I'm a huge fan of Uber. And it's one of the things I now factor into my cost of drinking. Like, I've had a little bit of a uh, 13%. And I've had a pint of a 5%. So that is like my... I'm going to drink water now and enjoy water until yeah. my wife and I get an Uber for our date tonight. Yeah. And then... That's right. You got a date tonight. I was like, no, we drink more. You no. Oh, dude. I'm going, you have a date. <laughs> I'm going... No. I'm going going out. We're going to... Uh, I think we're going to go to proper tonight. And I'm going to nice. have me... I'm going to have me a couple of very fun mixed drinks. They make a good mixed drink there. Well, see, for me, when you were talking about what you and your wife like order operation, my order operation is always this. Fruity drinks... All the time, number one. <laughs> the fruitier, the better. That's Tell me, I'd love to see you with an apple teeny and your pinky out. I may have not done an apple teeny, but anything that will have fruit garnish on top, I'm there. I'm in it. You're like, give me that hurricane. Give me yeah, all love, the pineapple with the uh, maraschino cherries. I love all that stuff. I go ham on that stuff. But I also do a rum and coke or whiskey coke or just whiskey yeah. straight up. I can do that too. But for me, always is mixed drinks. The fruitier, the better. Then I go down to beer. Beer overset whiskey and bourbon for okay. me. Because gotcha. I do really appreciate a good made, well made beer. Yeah. And I can find fruity beer. You can find fruity beers. Now. Which is yeah. a, I mean, that's like best of both worlds for <laughs> you know. starting off. You're like, I got the peach scone. Dude, I'm ready for tonight. I'm so good. Like, I can find fruity beer, especially if, I go, if I'm going brewery checking out. I yeah, can, yeah. Somewhere along the way. There's gonna someone's gonna make a fruity drink. That's I mean, especially now, like someone's gonna have some fruit in a beer on tap. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, that's why beer is overtaking like stouts and sours for me. But then, uh, then I go. I'm not stouts and sours. I mean, uh, whiskey and yeah, bourbon. Yeah. I, you can tell I've been drinking. Mm. But uh, I really, really appreciate that. But that's my tip for people. Just try it. Even though yep. it's something you don't like, just try it. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in full support of that because it's it's um, it literally is one of those things where you don't know what you don't like, what you do and don't like till you try it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But it's also there's certain like I would never say I like IPAs until I met New England style IPAs. Mm-hmm. Now that version of IPAs controversial in its own right. Well, I, I think that here's my thought on New England IPAs is that because they focus so much on the fruit fruity side like you were saying of the beer yeah but that's not the that's not that's not Boston Boston doesn't really do a lot of that no 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 but if you take a look at the if you take a look at the flavor profiles of of East Coast style IPAs Mm -hmm. okay they focus much more on the Okay, let me get a little a little stupid in my descriptions, okay? No, no, I'm mean, gonna do it all the time. If you take um, <laughs> take an orange, uh huh, and you take the the meat, the pith, and the skin, okay, a West Coast style IPA will focus much more on the skin and the pith, meaning the there's bitterness there, yeah, and you get the essence, but you don't. The the idea is not to eat an orange, whereas East Coast style IPAs love to focus on that orangey flavor. I eat the orange. <laughs> eat the orange. Yeah. It's literally a. I will have orange juice in a glass. I remember my, my one of my favorite posts I've seen was I was going to order this beer, but then I thought I'd save money and just order a glass of orange juice. <laughs> and that's a good I, meme. That's a good yeah, meme. <laughs> yeah. And and I totally get that. That's East Coast style IPAs. They focus more on the flavor of the the fruitiness. That can come out of the hops. Yeah. Not that it's not a hoppy beer. It's still a very hoppy beer, but they're trying to pull out the characteristics of that hop that are the fruitier flavors. You know, uh, Turning Point makes some amazing East Coast style, but their beers also taste much more pineapple, mango, the the meat of the orange, the meat of a mango, not the skin or the pith. Yeah. Whereas a West Coast style IPA will go much more towards the citrus. But citrus in that citrus oil, the citrus that is still bitter. The essence of it, but not actually yeah. eating it. Think of yeah. like orange oil of uh, an orange itself. And so I I think that's why I, I, I'm I very happy for East Coast style IPAs because they've made IPAs more approachable and have widened the field of what an IPA can mean. Yeah. Now, I know there's people on the West Coast that are like, F you, Allen, right now. And, and I well, get that. But uh, you hear it all, you see it. Like, for me, I try to get into what we, I run the social media page. I, I am the social media page for Dad's Beer Talk. Mm. So I always try to get into yeah, yeah. other social media pages and try to interact and be involved in not yeah. just the DFW community, but external community, I nationwide. Get that part of it and I start seeing debates about New England style IPAs like that's not a real IPA I'm like wait I thought okay I get the argument but it's a new style so so if you so I'll say this there is the I, I can't wait till someone writes a really fun academic paper on the generations of IPA I know that's coming at some point in time if, if it's not out now it's coming out it's, it's going to be coming out because I feel like you okay so you have been you started drinking beer like I'll say seriously drinking beer in the last five years two years two years okay so I'll say the people that are five years and under in discovering craft beer craft ales IPAs have now had more experiences with New England IPA and that the IPA has a broader range of meaning than what someone that I like myself that has been drinking craft beer for like 12 years plus. Now, the people that have been drinking beer 20 years plus 
are like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, all of you guys, no, are, are just like way, way out of, like, that's not an IPA. I think that as people figure out more what to do with the hop and more what to do with malt and how to experiment with the beer and with the body and the complexity of a beer, whether that be through uh, bringing out the hazy features, bringing yeah. out the uh, malty features, bringing out the fruity features or the piney features, um, I think it's only going to widen the field and make it more available to consumers. Now, True. And, and Garrett Oliver, I love how he put this. He said that New England IPAs, hazy IPAs, are the Instagram beer. Because if you were to hold this up, a beer like this up, in 1999, you couldn't tell if this was a lager or an IPA. Hmm. So I think that's also part of it is that as beer has changed and as social media has impacted our life, we beer drinkers have brought that into social media. Well, that's true because you know what? Honestly, the funny thing about me being so new to beer, what I really don't like is the slushy beer trend that's going on right now. I really don't like that. Hmm. A, because you're charging me 15 bucks for what? No. Second of all, I've not had a, I've not had a fifteen dollars slushy beer then. Well, it's not just that when you go to the tap room and buy one. Okay. It's more of when you buy like the two pack or the four pack. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially when it's a two pack. Like I, I ain't buying a two pack. No, fifteen bucks, and I get it. I get it that it's no, expensive I, I, to make. Yes, and I'm I'm never gonna argue with the price of a brewery's beer because I know, especially after brewing. I know that there's a lot of cost involved, especially the, the more hops, yeah. the more cost. No, I will, you know, what I will argue is you're making a bad beer that's making you cost a lot of money to make it because yeah. you try you try to be gimmicky. Now, I that's your that. fault. That's your fault. Now, I would never be like, uh, the, the perfect person that I had this conversation with was um, Gavin from Three Nations. Yeah. Because he says a lot of his, like, people like, oh, I want you to make that beer year-round. He's like, well, that beer cost me x amount and i sell it for cost i don't even make money from the beer i make it just to have uh, uh the name out you know they have that beer on tap so that people can well, like for a season yeah, yeah for a season and that makes it like appealing for people to come to the brewery and that i get that will never be mad at that because you make a really good beer that people want yeah and may you may not make no money from that beer because you're yeah. selling it at cost because it's already so expensive yeah to sell that i get now the slushy beer is where i have a problem with because some of the prices are very, the prices are very inconsistent. Some people sell it for cost. Some people sell it for a little bit more than cost. And then you got the retail part of people trying to make money off of it too. It's already and, expensive. Yeah. So. yeah. And I, I think that's the thing that, um, that's definitely been something that shocked me because I'm used to buying a six pack of West Coast IPAs for maybe 12 bucks. You know, whereas now I come here and you get a four pack for not $12. No. Uh, other IPAs, and I'm ne and like I said, I understand that, and I understand why it costs so much because, especially after I've made my own IPAs, uh, my buddies and I, way back when, we decided to make a Pliny clone, and okay. you've had Pliny, yeah, 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 and I think um, we decided to just go overboard with the hops. I think it was a five-gallon beer that cost us ninety dollars in hops. Goddamn. Yeah. And that's not that much. If I get, even though five gallons is a lot for you and your friends, it's not a lot for a brewery. No, no, no. no. But the thing is, it's dry hopped. And, and, and let me ask a very stupid question. You know what dry hop? I learned that from uh, okay. Oak Islands. Make I sure. Had, make I had sure. a whole podcast with them about okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. 
So those hops, we did holy as well. Oh, so yeah, you got you got more bang for your buck. Well, no. What we, what, the thing about holy is that it soaks up the beer. And so we ended up with only three and a half gallons. I didn't think about that. all the hops were added. I didn't think about that. And we were like, well, this is the most expensive beer we're ever making. And I'm glad I spilled it between three people because... I, especially now, I can't go, hey, babe, let me throw uh, 90 bucks at a uh, well, IPA. A, <laughs> a I'm only going to get three gallons out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. You may get two cans yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, no. No, no. No, I get it 100%. No, so I get it when it comes to cost. And then as I talk to, as I've been doing it, the podcast longer and I'm becoming friends with some brewers yeah. and some like uh, taproom uh, owners. I'll be not friends, some friends, some friendlier yeah. with. Yeah, I, I understand you. there's cost involved with this stuff, yeah. and I 100% get it. I'm willing to spend the money. Like, give me a four pack of a good beer that's 18 bucks. I have no problem spending that mm-hmm. money. Now, yeah. let's get to the price of $25. If that, can, that ever comes, it's not there yet. I'm not saying it's there, but no, let's say, I get you. But if we get to that price range, I might have to be like, I don't know about this, guys. Yeah, no, I understand. Hold on, I just got to. No, uh, go I ahead. Got my- Okay, good. It's just an Instagram something. <laughs> I don't care. If something Instagram something. My wife has my my two of my kids right now, and so I'm like, okay, let me make sure no, that it's not my wife. So for point of my podcast and setup, the reason why I have such a mobile setup is because I want to make whatever time works best for you, whatever location works best for you, Man. and whatever schedule we're, like we could do. You know, Dude, that's how I, I set this podcast up. You know, I. I I'm gonna say this. I want to make one of these days. I want you to come to my house and record. Yeah. Because um, I do. I love hosting. I love having people over. I've done bottle shares at my house as well. But the thing I love to do as well: do some grilling, get some beer going. See, I like. So I miss me and my old roommate. We used to grill all the time. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Diego. Uh, we Diego. Used to, we used to slow cook and slow, uh, smoke meat nice. all the time. We were even going to pan, uh, like splitting the cost for having an egg. Yeah, and have it at the house because those are those are pricey. I know. I guess that's why we're gonna split it. Yeah, I think you split it. Yeah. But that's why we would we we cook so much. We're gonna think about splitting it because our work schedule worked perfectly too. We worked opposite schedules. So I leave. I'm at work at four in the morning. I'm home by twelve. He goes to work at one in the afternoon. So, so we can start. One of you could start it. One of you could finish, finish it. it. The yeah. next day, be like, hey, there's, there's a, the food yeah. for the whole week. Yeah. So, but we never went down that route. See, and I've got a fire. I built a fire pit in my backyard. Oh, that's awesome! So I've got I've got it set up, and I the summertime I start grilling, and uh, my neighbors like it because the neighbor next door, or on the other side of the fence, anytime I'm grilling, I could see him kind of come out and around, and I always give him a little bit of something, whatever I'm grilling. <laughs> and man, he has he's fixed my fence. He's done so much for me. So <laughs> that's it. It's beautiful when you have good neighbors like that. Oh, man, I love it. Yeah. I bet he's talking about saying, like, yo, my neighbor could grill next door. <laughs> so we were talking about grilling. Grilling, but, yes. Uh, I we, we had a small conversation about what my my uh, advice for people getting into craft beer. What I would be more interested in, what is your advice for someone to get into craft beer? What would be, like, the number one tip or a few tips to give them while they're getting started into drinking beer? So if they want to get started, first find the nearest brewery to them and start frequenting that. And whenever you're up at the bar, mm-hmm. uh, especially go at times when it's slower. Um, and if you can sit at the bar, all the better. And then literally just ask the bar, the, the beer tender, whoever's behind, ask them about the beer. Okay. You know, I've poured before. I've been behind the bar several times. Um, and as someone that's poured, as someone that has worked in beer professionally, 
um, I've never minded someone coming to me and saying, look, I know this sounds stupid. Yeah. What does this, what does it mean when it says this? And if I have the time, I can't wait to explain that to them. Or why is this beer so expensive? Well, let me tell you, because it's been aged in bourbon barrels. It's had this, it's had this, it's had this. Um, and no good beer tender is is ever gonna is ever going to make you feel stupid. If and, they do, yeah, that is perfect. not the place to be. And and just screw that place. Go to the next I, one. I agree with that hundred percent. Every beer person I've met since I started drinking beer uh-huh. the last two years, a super wealth of information. Be willing to teach mm-hmm. and enjoy, uh, see, enjoy teaching. Like people like explaining, like this is why I like this style beer. Yeah. This is the hops in it, yeah. or this is what they've done to it, and this yeah. is why I prefer this. Yeah. You know, if not a brewery, find the local craft beer bar that um, that has either the most amount of taps or the most amount of craft beer taps. And let me qualify craft beer taps, not that it has a hundred taps. But that it has maybe, you know, taps that aren't all just associated, or taps that are not just. Um, now this is my own mind thinking about like all from one distributor, but taps that are mainly fr- that have a emphasis on craft beers that you see either in that little craft beer aisle at your yeah. favorite like Kroger or Ralph's <coughs> or whatever it is. That. No, no, or. Um, have names that you don't recognize yet, especially if you're just getting into craft beer. If you're just getting into craft beer, you don't recognize a lot of the names, great place to start because then you get a flight and go, what's that, what's that, what's that? Give it to me. You're going to find beers that you love. You're going to find beers that you hate. And that is part of the process. Have fun doing that. I agree with that a thousand percent. That's really good advice. Really good advice because for me, lucky for me, I I went to Lone Store Tap and Caps and Craft and Growlers. Yeah. No, if you're in the DFW area, Lone Star is a great place to start off. I worked there for a little while. Yeah, oh, at the Fort Worth one? Uh, no, at the Louisville one. No way. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I did. Guys. I was uh, I was behind the bar, and then I worked at the uh, Taps and Caps, um, the bottle place. Okay, so. Oh, you were talking about the beverage. <laughs> so, with, uh, is his dad's name Sam? Yeah, Sam. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Taps and Caps. I really love those guys. Um, they've treated me well, and I'm, uh, I'm, I, I easily and openly recommend anybody getting to any of their locations. I, I 100% agree. That's why I went to Raw recently because I want to go to support their beer release at Raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah they just had yeah. that collaboration. Yeah. yeah. So I went to go support them. Made a uh, a quick video vid for them for mm-hmm. Love, uh, for uh, Raw, and mostly for uh, Taps and Caps. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun video. But uh, yeah, I love those guys. Anything I can do to support Rick and the whole uh, Taps and Cap community. Rick, Rick is also one of those guys that he, if you are in the DFW area and you get a chance to sit and talk with Rick, pick his brain. Because he knows everybody. He knows uh, anything that is coming out. And his his shops are a great example of how a good, it's like example of good craft beer shop. Yeah. What I don't like about uh, Taps and Caps is that there's a rivalry between Craft and Growlers and Taps and Caps, and I don't like that because I love both those guys. I love I love Robert at Craft and Growlers. That's uh-huh. like a really really sweet and helped me out guy, yeah. and I, he's they always be willing to help us out too. So that that's the sound of a brewery. Yeah, yeah, dropping things. So there's, there's something that yeah that was expensive something. That's why everybody stopped. <laughs> it got quiet real yeah. quick. Uh, so. Uh, 
Craft Girls has always helped us out by giving us a room to record when we left the studio process yep. and try to figure out what we're going to do. So they always helped us out, so I love those guys. And freaking Taps and Caps and Rick and Roman, everybody over there. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're essentially why I fell in love with the beer culture. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I get I, that. I've done private, private bottle shows with them up there. They've been on a podcast. I've been at all yeah. their events. Like they're a reason why. Part of the reason why I met Sean and uh, Jerry, and yeah. it led me to meeting you. So I love them a lot because they led me to learning the culture of yeah. DFW. Oh. It made me fall in love with it. Well, speaking of Jerry, he's going to be on my. I did an interview with him, and his podcast episode is coming out. This Sunday. This Sunday. I'm super excited about that. I am very excited about that. Jerry's as well. excited about that too. Man, I, I I just gotta say, I think Jerry, uh, NTX underscore beer, is the nicest guy in the DFW beer scene. I gave him a title. Me, so a podcast coming out for me on Monday. Oh. Uh, right after yours is with Les, the bartender at Craft and Growlers. Gotcha. Uh, phenomenal, funny guy. A lo- also a local comedian. Yeah. Uh, but we dubbed the name for Jerry the ambassador of North Texas beer. So I, yes, I can totally see that. So Love it. that video is dropping, uh, the podcast is dropping Monday. And that that Thursday, I'm dropping a video that me and it's Jerry. Like, it's like the week of Jerry. Yeah, the week of Jerry. <laughs> because that Thursday, me and Jerry went to uh, Legal Draft. We had a private I saw event. that, yeah. Uh, legal Draft. And that video is dropping on Thursday. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. So, yeah. yeah shout still, out to Jerry. I'm yeah. sorry, Jerry. I, I get to see his face right now smiling yeah. and just going... I don't want this, okay? I, <laughs> no, okay. of all the people, like, there's no knock to anybody else. There's no knock to, no, like, no, no, no. Uh, Jennifer to be the lady or Sean. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love all those people. Yeah. And they also good representation of North oh, yeah. Texas beer. Yeah, yeah. I think Jerry's the ambassador. I, I can totally see that. I think Jerry's the ambassador. Because if, if you could meet only one person in North Texas, he's he would be a really good He'd be the number one person yeah. I recommend. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. the most welcoming person. On that beautiful note, what I want to say is this. Uh, follow I Know Nothing About Beer on all platforms. So it's um, Al the Brewer. Oh, Al the Brewer on all Al platforms. Al the Brewer on all platforms. Gotcha. Or uh, I Know Nothing About Beer.com. Oh, plug nothingaboutbeer.com right here. Yep. Check that out. Also, Al the Brewer on Instagram. Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all those other fun places. Beautiful. And then uh, check out the podcast. I'm telling you, my, my, I haven't listened to the last one dropped last weekend. But my favorite ones to this date is California versus Texas. It's a very interesting conversation. I, I enjoyed recording that. And um, what I'm hoping to do with the podcast is have some, the, the I don't know anything about beer or I know nothing about beer is the main, uh, we'll say, the, the main part of the podcast. That's going to be the main section of the podcast. And then I'm breaking it down to three other little smaller segments. Okay. So I'll have, I kind of call it my barstool chats, but I think someone else has that name, so I don't want to fully use that just yet. Um, But that's where I go into, and that was the California versus Texas. That's where I go into one subject for about 10 minutes, and I dive deep into it for 10 minutes. What I like about George, this is the complete opposite of my podcast, is because I'm just hanging out talking. So Mm -hmm. there's no real structure to Mm -hmm. it. But... To your podcast, there's a beautiful structure to it, similar to another podcast called Grapes and Grains. Yes, I uh, love Grapes and Grains. Yeah, we talked about so glad season two is back. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So shout out well, to TV. Will one of you please come on my podcast? I would love to interview both oh. of you. One of you, 
Who, I, I just, Teeny, I'll tag him. Yeah. I'll make a clip of this and tag Please, him in this. Yeah. I want you on my podcast. I have so many questions. Yeah, no, they they do a beautiful podcast. One of my favorites. I did a I did a podcast with Teeny. I know, last and year. I that's I watched that. I was like, I want them on my podcast. She's, I, I already met Teeny, uh, but the other girl sounds equally as wonderful. I have yeah. not met her, but I love their podcast. But it's yeah. such beautiful structure where it makes me appreciate that. You know, I yeah. know it's the opposite of what I like to do because I can't structure myself. I feel too robotic. <laughs> I can't have a list. I've done it before in the older podcasts where I have notes and, you have notes and time frames. No, it does not work. It stresses me out too much. Too much. You're I'm just like, like, no, it's too much. Well, it makes me too stressed. I'm like, oh, that's 10 minutes, guys. Wrap that conversation up. <laughs> Next one. See, and I come, I see, and in a former life, I was a teacher. So to me, I love having structured notes out where, um, and then again, former life, I've done ministry. Where I've been a youth minister. So you have and bulletins and you so have time. So I, I know how to give a sermon. I know how to do all those things. And so to me, like, points on a, on a notepad, I'm like, oh, no, this, this is second nature. I'm good to go. See, my entire life, I've always been a, 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 a speech writer or a debater. So I have bulletins and I just go on tangents. Now, I don't have time frame on tangents unless you cut me off. Gotcha. But when I'm having a timer in my hand, I'm like, okay, this, we're going 15 minutes. This because we, I, I got my stuff I got to get yeah, out right now. Yeah. Um, so the, 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 the other parts to the thing are going to be the, the Barstool Talks where I go deep into one subject. And then I've got another one called Dad in the Beer. Where <laughs> that I, is awesome. I talk about, and I, I've got an interview lined up, hopefully coming up uh, later this summer, where it's going to be what I think it is to means to be a dad that's in the beer. Because I think that there's conversations I have there. Uh, I think that not that moms don't play a special role they do i think thousand percent i think that there's there's um but it's two different roles you got a dad in beer and mom well i think that that um a lot of the portrayal of alcohol is especially with beer means towards the dad Mm -hmm. and i think there's conversation to have there about how do you talk about alcohol how do you show alcohol in your house not that there's one right way yeah but i'd love to talk to other dads that how do you do it at your house? How do you explain alcohol at your house? How do you do all that? Rachel, thank you, thank you so very much. Rachel, so very awesome here. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, can I make two recommendations? Please. You don't have to have these people on the podcast, but I think Robert, it'd be a great, perfect example because he's Robert. Had, Robert from Crafting Growlers just had a second son. Ah, he's, okay. You know, he's uh, he's a tap room manager yeah. at Crafting Growlers. Okay. Uh, his wife drink, he drinks, but he's more around beer. I think yeah. it'd be a good introspective of okay. how they handle I, it. I would love Robert. I want you on the podcast because he does a page with his son, a oh. boy and a beer, a boy and a beer. Boy okay, and a beer. That's him and his son. Gotcha. Okay, uh, I'll check that out. Another one uh, uh, will be uh, Instagrammer named Cool Tony D. I, I went after your episode. I, I just said I want you on my podcast. We'll. He's like, yes, and I'm like, I'm going to get to you a little yeah. later. Cool, because he's a family man as well. Yes, and I, I heard that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. so I've, I've, I, I, I think there's stuff to explore there. Yeah. And then the last part, I'm still working on the name, but I, I think I'm going to call it Faith Meets Mug. So yeah. the whole start to me doing this podcast was about four years ago. Mm. And I had this idea about where faith and beer meet. And I don't think that... I don't think a lot of people naturally see that, but I think that as a Christian, as someone that has one foot in each, um, there's conversations that have that. Um, I think that alcohol itself has a long history in Christian tradition. It has a long history in the church. It does. Um, but I think that especially with how beer has changed in America, how religion has changed in America, I think there's things to talk about there. 
So that's the other segment that I want to explore. So yeah. No, that's, I, I have a, I have a, uh, I have people I recommend for that too. But I want to keep you here any longer. What I would say is, uh, anybody I can connect you with, if I can do my part to help connect you, I would Man, gladly do I that. Love, yeah. Uh, there's so many good way. beer people in the DFW area. There really are, and I love that. Yeah, and yeah. I want you to talk to everybody. I want to talk to everybody. So anybody watching this. Please come either my podcast, especially come onto Alan's podcast. Please, I know nothing uh, about beer. Anybody, I mean, literally, I have so many people that I want to have on, and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm just looking forward to uh, season one's probably going to wrap up in a couple of weeks, and then uh, season two I'll start interviewing in May, July, August, and then get fall season two will probably come out. I can't wait for season two. I'm enjoying season one. I thank can't you, wait for man. Jerry's podcast. On that note, thank Senor, you so much coming on. Thank you so thank much, you man. so much. Follow. Alan, yeah, also it's me on the description. Also, check out his podcast. Please, please check out his podcast. Follow, subscribe, listen to his podcast. It's a worth a listen. Thank you so much. Thank check you, man. Have a safe week. Peace. Cheers.